Hi, I'm John Russell, Editorial Director for Table Communications and the editor of HPCY. Today we are fortunate to have a distinguished panel of senior executives from the HPC community, and we'll take a look at the just announced National Strategic Computing Initiative. The NSCI is without doubt a dramatic recognition of the importance of high-performance computing to the welfare of society and national competitiveness. I'd like to read a brief excerpt from a commentary in HPCY that was written by two very distinguished leaders in the HPC world, Tom Sterling and Bill Grubb, who are also co-editors of HPCY's Exascale edition. Tom and Bill write, the charter for the NSCI is not about creating a stunt machine for national stature, quite the opposite. It is about the deployment and application of systems delivering one exaflops and more sustained performance on real computational challenges of importance to the country and its society. This is to be accomplished through a cohesive multi-agency collaboration as well as public-private sector partnerships over a sustained period of effort, probably well more than a decade. The NSCI directs the creation of a strategic vision and a realistic federal investment strategy for the U.S. to sustain and enhance its scientific, technological, and economic leadership position in HPC. Well said, Tom and Bill. Now begins the hard part, translating NSCI's ambitious objectives into practical plans and action. With that, let me introduce our panelists who are quite familiar to the HPC audience. And I apologize in advance for shortening their bios, but we'll try to post more complete versions online. Let's start with Steve Scott from Cray. Steve serves as the Senior Vice President and Chief Technical Officer of Cray. He's responsible for guiding long-term technical direction of, of Cray's supercomputing, storage, and analytics products. Bill Mantle from HP. Bill is Vice President and General Manager of High Performance Computing and Big Data Solutions for HP Service. He's responsible for the global end-to-end P&L and leads the worldwide strategy and execution in server market's fastest growing strategy uh, category. Excuse me. Dave Turk from IBM. Dave is Vice President of High Performance Computing at IBM with the responsibility for IBM's overall high performance computing strategy and market engagement. In previous executive positions, Dave helped launch IBM's grid computing business and started and ran IBM's Linux cluster business. As a development executive, he had responsibility for IBM's SP supercomputer program, as well as the mainframe version of AIX and other Unix software. From Intel, we have Hugo Soleil. Hugo is the Director of Marketing and Industry Development for Technical Computing. He has held a variety of engineering and leadership roles since joining Intel in 2000, including CPU analog circuit design, design automation and methodologies, CPU strategic planning, HPC segment planning, and HPC market development. And our final panelist is Gabriel Brano from SGI. Gabriel is Vice President and General Manager, High Performance Computing SGI. In addition to having held technical and executive roles at SGI, Gabriel held roles as Head of Innovation at Ericsson, General Manager at Microsoft, and Operating Systems Architect at Cray. As I said, it's a distinguished panel. Let's get started. We're hoping for a conversation, not real Q&A. I'll pose a topic to the group, and we'll see where it goes. Um, maybe the panelists could identify themselves the first time they're speaking. So first, I'd like to start with a broad question, which is sort of why now and is this the right approach? What is the problem NSCI is trying to solve? And is um, such an expansive government approach the best way to do it? And, uh, and I'll throw it out to the group who would like to tackle that first. 
Uh, this is Steve Scott. I can I can take a shot. First of all, why now? This has really been a long time coming. Various leaders in the U.S. government have been laying the groundwork for this for many years. Um, the issue is that countries around the world have recognized the critical importance of HPC really in three broad areas, national security, advancing science, and industrial competitiveness. And other nations are investing heavily in this. And the U.S. is, is at danger of losing its historic leadership without a sustained focus in this area. The problem is that, that le the leading edge requires investments that aren't needed for the broader market and so aren't going to naturally be made by industry. And, and high-end computing also provides a public good that exceeds what companies can realize, making it, I think, appropriate for public investment. Um, anyone else like to chime in? I want to follow up on that in a second, but any, any other thoughts? Yeah, this is Bill Manel, and, and, and so I agree with Steve in the sense that um, you know, it's, it's really important for the government to take a leadership position here. It's often um, uh, hard for a, a, a business by itself to, to do some of the investments and show the ROI needed in the short term, and we're all you know, really focused on uh, short-term business results. So, so the, the government does uh, provide a very important role in, in being able to uh, fast-forward some of those investments and, and allow them to come in faster and in a way they, they might not even see the light of day over time. Yeah, this is Gabriel Bronner. I may add, uh, I concur uh, with both of you. I would add um, that the recognition of the competitiveness of high-performance computing as a national um, element is what's happening today. Um, and, and why now? Well, we're seeing more and more the commoditization happening where the offerings are the same because of the things that Steve and Bill mentioned. Um, and the government collaborating with industry will help us continue to push the envelope. And that envelope will then translate to other parts of the industry uh, in terms of advancing their technologies. Let me pose this to the group, um, which is so that the comments around funding long-term bleeding edge kinds of technology is something that the government has been reluctant to do or done really in a half-hearted way. How, how can the NSCI be a vehicle to do that properly? What's the right way um, and what would you like to see for long-term funding so you can make a commitment to a program? What are the things it should do? Well, I think the thing that's important is, you know, to your point that, um, you know, these, the funding mechanisms are, are heavily based upon uh, the congressional budget process every year. So there's always a concern that um, uh, the funding we have this year might not be the funding we have next year, and, and how does how does a, a, a long-term program actually get funded as opposed to you know a few a few point programs? Um, and I think it is an opportunity for the government to um, look at a new approach where whereby. Um, a long-term process, you know, similar to what we've done um, uh, with the um, uh, some of the other programs we have in the government, that would allow for a amount of compute uh, or, or an, an amount of budget per year. Um, I think would uh, would get us past that amount, um, uh, you know, that issue of of uh, annual budget sort of thing. So, so this is Dave Turk. I would say that. Um, the peculiar difference about this executive order is that it really is a representation of bipartisan support that I think one could forecast will persist into the future. It seems to be one of the few things that a fractured Congress can really get their head around. 
And I think that bodes well for setting up multi-year kinds of programs. We did this in the 90s with the ASCII program under the stewardship of the DOE. And that was a composite set of long-term funding plus short-term programmatic efforts, including uh, acquisitions as well. The key thing about the way the government sets up a program is they have to understand what the impact of the structural nature of the program has on both public and private companies who might participate in it. Simple things like how you carry inventory carrying costs over long periods of time as you try to build systems of greater and greater complexity. And these things transcend budgetary cycles in the U.S. government, but they have a material effect on, on public and privately held companies. Anyone else want to jump in on that? It, it does seem to be a, you know, a stumbling block generally for um, for long-term research collaboration with with the government. Well, I think to Dave's point, also the, I mean, as we get bigger and bigger systems, it's very conceivable that you can't even stand up uh, one system um, in the space of one one budget cycle. Um, so to, to to Dave's point. You know how can we how can we manage better around that that uh, type of situation, both from a private business as well as from from the government side? Well, of course, the NCS uh, NSCI doesn't actually provide any funding; it's just an executive order. Uh, but I think it's unprecedented in the strength of the statement and the vision that's being articulated from the highest level in the U.S. government, and I think that that will provide. Um, a lot of air cover for um, both Congress to provide funding as well as for the various agencies to make it a funding priority within their budgets. Um, I like the fact that they've articulated the long-term view. I'm a little concerned about the, the focus on exascale because that's just a point in the continuum. Uh, but part of this program is to call on, on IARPA to do fundamental research in post-silicon technologies, looking at the post-exascale uh, time period. And I, I think they're articulating the strategic vision and the, the importance to the nation, as well as um, you know, setting the framework for a, a long-term sustained development. And ultimately, that's that's all we can really ask. And, and we will have to um, see what, what Congress does in response in terms of funding. But the executive order also makes clear the management model from the perspective of the government calling out explicit roles for OSTP and OMB, for example, and uh, a taxonomy uh, governing the different agencies that have a stake in this across the government. I think one of the things that's been historically missing is that as you enter any period of engagement with the government, um, companies like ours always spend a lot of time trying to figure out uh, who's running things, who's making decisions, what is this really leading up to, how is everybody participating and while not perfect, certainly, uh, because we have to see how this works out practically, the roles and responsibilities are at least reasonably clear now. Perhaps one comment I would add is um, the importance of collaboration with the industry. The goals of the government may be different than the goals from the industry. And my experience, for example, advising the government of Minnesota for two years was that kind of uh, combination allow us to figure out what was needed for the government, what was important for the companies, make sure the government doesn't get in the way of the companies and it enables the success of them. And probably multiple instances of that. So I think that'd be good. You know, one of the things that's being raised is uh, the notion of lots of uh, positive opportunity uh, with the caveat of things have to be, do, you know, be done correctly. 
what do you think of the of the pitfalls when you look at this program? And there are lots of programs that have had you know great potential, but not necessarily reached it. Uh, what are the what are the things you look for in terms of pitfalls that it should uh, it should avoid? And also, do you have any kind of um, you know benchmarks or milestones that will tell you whether or not it's it's uh, achieving its goals and creating some advance or not? Well, I think one one thing that would be important is the application to to uh, to to broader business, broader HPC from that standpoint. So we certainly have examples of the past where um, you know developments just you know basically did not reach down to the commercial space at all because of how they were developed. Um, so I so I think uh, and and I think more and more we're seeing uh, where the uh, uh, where a, a lot of the agencies are, are, are trying to be uh, more broad in terms of their approach um, so that uh, the technology developed can be practically brought down um, throughout throughout the um, the HPC market as well. I would say that um, there are a standard set of pitfalls which persist in any um, uh, activity of innovation here, and that is the, the, the hardware innovation, system innovation, is sometimes viewed as um, the pinnacle of effort without remembering the magnitude of investments that need to take place in software and also the business dynamic which governs the commercial software vendors who'd like to operate on top of these systems. Um, I, the other panelists can feel free to comment on this, I'm sure, but I think that um, I would say that the receptivity of commercial software vendors to hardware innovations is actually pretty slow. And so while there may be great appetite for these systems in a government context, one of the impediments to really roll this technology into the commercial space is the business models that govern the commercial software vendors and their appetite for making transitions to new hardware innovations. This is Hugo. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Hugo. Yeah, Hugo from Intel. You know, I, you know, I thought about this a little bit and, and you know, there's, there's a standard pitfalls that we've We've talked about and have been documented. You know, in, in a case like this, I'm, I'm wondering if it's too early to have specific worries. But you know, there, there's a few things that come to mind, and, and Dave hit on on the software industry and, and the importance for having uh, applications that that run on this hardware and can can run on it long term and be used not only by the very largest machines in the world but also by industry in general. You know, I think I think we got to worry about the HPC talent pool and making sure that there's sufficient number of students and universities and graduate school that are studying uh, high-performance computing techniques and programming for these large systems and making sure that the best and brightest out there are choosing this field instead of, you know, riding the next um, uh, app for uh, a mobile smartphone. Um, and then I, I got to say that, you know, one other pitfall uh, – that worries me is, you know, the if we were to focus on building just a one-off machine, uh, which I think we've we've already stated that that's that's not going to be the case. So hopefully we don't revert back to that. Yeah, this is this is Steve from Cray. I certainly agree with the the concern about the one-off machine mentality, and I'd also echo what Dave said about um, about software. Software is key, and I, I'd expand that a bit to uh, a broader concern about tech transfer in general with respect to software technologies. Most of the software technologies as laid out in the DOE's Exascale Computing Initiative 
um, are developed in the labs and industry needs to be involved in, and ultimately adopt um, the software technologies in order for it to be useful. And so worrying about applicability to the broader market and tech transfer and adoption um, is, is going to be important. Maybe what we all say is there's potentially good NRE money that collaboration leads to where the work will be reusable, that we're doing work with the government where the government is at the leading edge. Uh, some people say a few people, the future is here now, but a few people are living in, right? So the government could be that, could be that beacon that, that moves ahead and people will be behind. And we've seen the cases when that's not the case, where it's a one-off that doesn't run standard applications, and that is that is where the problem may be. You know, the NSCI outlines this, um, it's such a broad agenda. It's, it's both uh, principles and objectives and an environment and hopefully long-term, um, well-articulated at a time when HPC is sort of being, uh, I think, uh, more noticed around the world. You probably heard recently that um, there's a report that China will have two, not one, hundred petaflop machines working um, sometime before the end of, the, of, a, of a year, roughly a calendar year, I, I believe. And that's, that's about a year earlier than, um, you know, than uh, the CORAL program, for example, here in the U.S. And again, it's not about a single machine, but increasingly the notion of having uh, HPC be integrated and uh, nourished as a way to maintain competitiveness in your society uh, is, is an important one. Do you feel that um, this this uh, initiative recognizes that? And do you think that um, a year from now, if you look at it, would you are there specific things that you will look for to say, okay, this is working? There, uh, you know, the procurement program has been articulated, uh, a development program, uh, technologies have been uh, identified. I mean, what do you think you'll um, one? Is is this the right time in that sense that really you know the the competition around pushing computational boundaries is enormous right now and two you know what are the things that you hope to see from um, concrete actions a yearish you know let's say next year in August I believe the the order came out July thirty first what do you hope to see and what will that tell you whether or not it's succeeding or not Well, I think well, this is. Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say one thing is there has to be an awareness that if, if we define competition as being international and to a certain extent state-sponsored investments that are being competed against, one should understand the diversity of rules and perspectives that govern the competition. Um, I would say that you know the U.S. is steadfast in its repudiation of trying to do anything that smacks of industrial policy, but you have to look at that in the context of what's going on internationally, where nobody else cares about that. Everybody's got an industrial policy. Mm. And if you, look at the, if you look at the evolution of what's happening in China with their supercomputer centers, they're evolving from being general purpose supercomputing centers to be centers that are aligned with very specific industry segments. So they're kind of doubling down investment and focus at the same time to try to drive competitive advantage. Um, and for, for the U.S. government to ignore that as a phenomenon and to still claim that the program we're executing is going to be competitive requires some deep thinking. Well, I think at the same time, um, you, know, this is, you know, this is an executive order that came out late in one administration's last term. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so from my standpoint, I'm, uh, and certainly circulating around is, um, you know, is this something that they're laying at the footsteps of the follow-on administration? And I guess the big key will be, how is that picked up as we as we go, you know, into the election year and also beyond? How is that that going to be interpreted? And and I think one person, I think it was Dave that mentioned that, you know, really understanding what the goals are um, would be a good first step. Um, you know, as we go into sort of year one, you know, what you know, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here? Um, you know, get a real collaboration between government and industry. You know, where do we each want to go? And be able to pursue that from that standpoint. That would be a that would be a good measure of, for, for for me in terms of of, of uh, if the program is being successful or not. Yeah, I would yeah. like to see that that in a year um, we've taken this to the next level between government and industry. Uh, I worry a bit that the measure is exaflopped, right? So I I, I want to make sure that we build usable production systems uh, that are able to translate to the industry. And there's a lot of work to do. And, uh, and and by working together, we can define the next level of goals that is that is going to be is going to make it a success. Well, I think that that next level of goals too is just you know we we need a quick start. Let's let's put a roadmap down. Let's understand the funding details. You know, is there an org announcement? You know, who's going to be driving um, the different portions of, the, um, of this program? It's going to be a huge initiative with a lot of collaboration with industry and the ecosystem. There's going to be a lot of moving parts. Uh, something that complicated, you know, just just doesn't pop up. There's there's got to be some structure and organization in place, and I think it's important to, to get that rolled out sooner than later. Um, Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, I agree completely with all the long-term goals, but the the order calls for the executive council to have an implementation plan in place in the first 90 days. So it will be instructed to see what they come up with, and we need to see the leadership in place and the funding approved for the Exascale initiative from DOE, which is going to be the, the largest um, you know, funding thrust in this program. So those would be great first steps. Yeah, and, and you make a good, um, a good point was made earlier that this is sort of this administration's uh, influence certainly is uh, is way is you know it's decreasing, and so uh, it will be interesting to see one is this uh, does this get incorporated into the election year rhetoric, and uh, and will it be carried on with force? Um, how about uh, I guess we touched on the big data, big science thing that that it sort of. Uh, this particular initiative calls out very explicitly that these two worlds are combining, um, that the, the kinds of uh, technology and the importance in the economy is such that they should be looked at together. Maybe we could talk just for a second again on that. Um, do all of you see that, that big data and sort of traditional HPC converging? Definitely, well, I think, um, yeah. Yeah, I think if you, um, uh, so I, I, I talked to a researcher a couple of years ago who's, who's, who's running at scale on a very large system, and, I, and he's doing space weather, basically, and, and he has no problem with using an exaflop worth of compute um, and uh, can, could do that at any one time. But his problem is, how does he get, get his data out of the machine from that standpoint? And so it would take, it would take him weeks uh, his program would run maybe over several weeks on a on an exaflop machine, but then actually getting the data out of it um, is going to be a much much longer period of time, much harder problem. So I so I think to ignore the one 
as we're proceeding with the other is 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 probably an unbalanced approach from that standpoint. I think there's widespread agreement within those of us in, in the industry that data and analytics and HPC are converging, um, both in terms of heterogeneous workflows in general, but just the people that are doing traditional data, um, traditional simulation, are needing to manage more sensor data and, and do analytics on the output of the simulations. And so this is naturally happening. Um, it, it's just important. So I think that the the, uh, the executive order here, the NSCI, is really just recognizing reality. Um, and it's important for all of us to have this broader perspective and for the program to focus explicitly on, on these sorts of heterogeneous workflows just to ensure that we design the most effective tools for, for what we all see coming. Yeah, we have customers that are um, effectively using um, HPC technology for big data or merging the two customers that are doing simulations and then using analytics with the data in their workflow. We have customers that are taking HPC technologies to fraud detection and other spaces. Um, we're seeing customers that tell us data is too large to move, so compute will happen where the data is. So it's really a big change, and, and we have to acknowledge it at this point. It's probably an, at an inflection point right now. Yeah, and it's key for us to make sure we, we don't fracture our, our focus and our investment here. Reality is, you know, to many HPCers, they've been dealing with big data for years. And this new emerging usage of all the sensor and IoT information that's coming together and the new workloads and new insight that's being driven from this combination of both HPC and data analytics, um, both investment from a government and industry level, but then also from companies uh, that are trying to do both of these things, um, there's limited budgets. There's no need to fracture them. Let's, let's converge them together and, into one system. You know, um, one of the questions I've been wondering about is sort of what kind of an outreach program by um, the government would work here in terms of involving the computer industry generally to make sure that the kinds of things we're talking about today are incorporated in the plans and actually find their way into, uh, into goals and procurements. What is the best way, do you think, for the NSCI agencies and personnel to have an outreach program to incorporate industry um, opinion? So I can give the example. Dave Turek and I were involved in about 15 years ago on how the government works with open source. And uh, we were invited to discuss between industry and government. There was a president's advisory committee. There was, uh, there was forums where the industry and government could come together to discuss a topic of general interest. So I think a forum like that would be appropriate. That's my sense. I know there's a panel coming up um, at, I guess, the HPC User Forum. I think IDC arranged for the panel, but it will include members from most of the lead agencies of NSCI. And that's kind of, I think it'll be the first public interaction forum between both sides of the fence. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. But it seems like there needs to be uh, an aggressive, since this uh, emphasizes private and public partnership, there needs to be uh, more of it, more of an outreach to make sure what you're saying is incorporated and elevate the proposal to practical things that will be used. Uh, and you think the sort of these kinds of meetings and uh, executive committees are enough? Well, it's, it's also this notion of resurrecting old language to deal with new problems. You know, back. 20 years ago, we talked about grand challenge problems, mm -hmm. but it but it created substance in, in the mind of the viewer. 
listen, whether it's exascale or exaflop, however you want to characterize it, that's a solution looking for a problem. You really have to get the problems well articulated to stimulate people to have interests, to be committed, to make investments and do all those kinds of things. There's no point in pursuing technology for the sake of technology. There's a, there's a strong point if you have a category or a selection of problems that really need attention. And then you can start making things real. And the extent that it becomes real, then you can start programmatically getting the right kinds of people involved and even reaching out into how you structure STEM programs and secondary education as a vehicle to begin to create this body of skill that ultimately has a point to the acquisition of that skill. You know, I'm, I'm acquiring these skills to solve this kind of problem, not well, just well, acquiring the skill for the sake of acquiring. Well, of I, course, I all of it. us know that those problems are real, right? Every single area of science has problems that require exascale computing. And once we get there, every single area of science will have problems that require 10 exascale, uh, you know, uh, 100 right. exascale computers. Uh -huh. I, I think the issue um, is one of making the broader public and the decision makers really fully appreciate that situation. Um, yeah. and, and, and much as it's not really the important thing, I think that some of the space race aspect of this can be useful in that regard, just in terms of, of highlighting how other com countries get this and are, and are investing heavily in this area. Yeah. Steve, I, I agree with the, the space race analogy, but I, I really love what Dave said, which is, uh, what's the meaning of doing that in a sense, an exascale machine is a tool. What problem are we trying to solve, right? And, and we'll be motivated by the problems we're solving, by our customers solving problems that is new science, new engineering. That's what motivates us every day, right? Absolutely. And, and the, the more we can connect uh, this initiative to real problems that, that, that matter, then the more, the more traction we get as opposed to let's get to an exascale. Yeah, and I agree with that because, um, you know, if you, want to, if you want to get real feedback, you should talk to people about, you know, what are the problems that they want solved <laughs> and, then, and then go from there to figure out how to solve them as opposed to taking a technology approach, which is like, okay, let's, let's shoot for this, uh, you know, particular uh, uh, tech, technology measure. Yeah, but I, I think that's all valid. We, we shouldn't forget, though, that this is also a huge computer science um, a problem and, and with the focus right now in, in the U.S. And, and lots of countries around the world on driving STEM, now having this grand challenge uh, just for computer science alone, we, we shouldn't underestimate the strength and power there. So not to take away anything from what, what everyone said already on, on painting that vision on what you can use this tool to do, you still got to build that tool and you got to jazz people to go off and do it and motivate them. Uh, let me just give you an example, Hugo. Uh, Bill and I were involved in putting together the machine at NASA Ames that was able to send the challenge back in space after the accident, right? People would volunteer their time to just make the machine happen. So uh, that is what I'm, what I'm thinking is a, is a motivated big goal to go after uh, more than, than yep. here's a performance goal. So that's, that's my sense. Yep, I agree. Yeah, you know, there's a lot to exciting imagination for sure, uh, and so the psychological aspect that motivates people. What um, you know, an interesting thing about information technology generally, and I, I know I sent this question out with the list of things we might tackle, but you know, there's a 
there's disruption all the time over mostly cyber theft right now and identity theft, but one could imagine uh, other kinds of IT disruptions that would be really detrimental to national health and competitiveness generally. Is it time to think about raising the stature of information technology to a cabinet level department, or is that just sort of silly and doesn't need to be done? Well, it's certainly our risk um, of of um, of an attack, if you will, from a cyber perspective, is 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 very real. Um, you know, it's it, it's ongoing, um, and you know, I would suggest that you know, as we as we move forward in time, um, uh, that by itself will become just key to the to the the operation of an economy. Um, and so, if you want to bring down another country's economy, then you, you attack their IT infrastructure. You know, so from that standpoint, you could, you could really argue that, you know, and, and I, I'm an ex-Air Force guy, so you could really argue that, you know, there, there needs to be a, a, um, a, a position that's as, as high as some of our other, other forces that defend the country from that standpoint. And we have, we have a Department of Health, which, you know, you can say in some ways is about maintaining, uh, not just a workforce, but in general, that's that's something that got elevated. Why, you know, why not IT? Given just what you said, that it's such a critical, and not just HPC, but IT generally, it's so woven into the fabric of life now. You you can't really allow disruptions without severe consequence. Well, I think if you look at the other agencies we have, we have departments of transportation and agriculture and education and housing. Uh, IT clearly has become as important. Uh, as those other areas, certainly from a national security perspective, as has just been discussed, but also just in terms of the of industrial competitiveness um, and as the the importance of uh, of the infrastructure to our nation. So it it clearly ought to um, have similar sorts of, of focus. I think it warrants a cabinet level official to bring that sort of focus to the area. I, I don't know that it would warrant uh, the creation of uh, of another large redundant department. I think most of the uh, work in computing will still take place within the DOE, DOD, and a few other agencies. But but the focus is is uh, undeniably uh, warranted. Yes, maybe the big decision is to want the focus to be IT or we want the focus to be the mission, right? The current departments have a focus on their mission and they use IT. And maybe that's the two sides of the coin. Uh, I think it would be multifaceted. Yeah, okay. Multiple sides of the coin. <laughs> I want to see that coin. Um, so, so a last sort of question. I appreciate all of your time also with the, you know, with the disruptions we had earlier in the podcast. Um, you know what? What do you think? Uh, does it all add up to you? If you would, if we were to go around with all of you and say, okay, give you know, do you think that this is not just a worthwhile effort, but has a seventy percent chance of success? Um, what do each of you think when you you've read? You, we all are familiar now with what the initiative is. Um, I'd like to get each of your take on whether or not, or to what extent, you think this will be a successful initiative. And uh, Dave, let me start with you. So I, I think it actually has a um, very good chance of success uh, with the understanding, of course, that that word will mean different things to different people, in part because it has such strong bipartisan support, which is likely to outlast whatever happens in the, in the next election cycle. I think there's a general feeling within Congress that this is a worthwhile endeavor to pursue. 
It'll take time to sort it out. There'll be stumbles along the way. But at the end of the day, I think everybody understands the, the utility of pursuing this. And I think people will find a way to make it work. So I think the percentage of success uh, will actually be quite high. Gabriel, how about you? I'm, I'm optimistic. Uh, I support Dave's comments. I think that as long as industry and government work together and people leave their company hats outside and try to do what's right for the country, this can be a big success. And, and Steve, weigh in. Yeah, I, I think this is a big deal. This is really an unprecedented statement of support for high-performance computing, a recognition of the importance of high-performance computing um, from, from the, you know, the office of the president. I agree that it is fortunately an area where there is bipartisan support, and uh, I hope it stays that way. And so I, I think that as long as we actually see uh, the funding come through, that uh, this will have the opportunity to make a, a significant impact. Bill, do you think that as well? Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I think the, um, you know, to, to all the caveats we've had about getting, you know, industry and, and uh, government together, get shared goals and, um, and, and um, make sure funding's in place. I think it's, a, it's got a really good chance and it, and, and it really has to succeed. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, everything we, we believe probably among this group is that, that, uh, uh, high performance computing is 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 important to the economy. It's important to our health. It's important to our our defense and our well being. And and so it 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 really must succeed from that standpoint. Uh, and Hugo, you get the last word, I guess, on this one. Awesome, I love it. Uh, well, you know, these are just really exciting times for us in in HPC and for industry in in general. Uh, it's a great start. We're very excited about the N NSCI announcement. Um, it's really going to take a village to, to pull this off. So we're, we're looking forward to collaborating with the ecosystem, and uh, we think there's a great chance for, uh, for this to succeed. Um, so just before we wrap up, is there any particular topic we have not touched on that anyone thinks we should at least touch on uh, that's important about the NSCI's prospects? Great. Um, well, I want to thank everyone. Uh, you're a terrific panel. I, again, I apologize for the earlier technical issues, but um, thanks for hanging in there. It was a great discussion. The uh, NSCI is generating uh, lots of excitement in these early stages. It's going to be fascinating to, uh, to watch. Along those lines, um, you know, we certainly welcome anyone listening to send us emails with your thoughts. You can send them directly to me. My email is pretty easy to find, my email address. Um, but we'd love to know what your thoughts are. It's a big program. Um, it's going to have governance issues, budget issues, all of those things. Uh, so let us know what you think. And I mentioned earlier uh, this upcoming HPC user forum in Denver. I think it's in September. But that should be interesting. That will be the first time a bunch of the agencies involved actually get out and speak to the, to the community. So that will be uh, also interesting. And, uh, and again, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully we can maybe a year from now circle back and see what, whether we think it's succeeding as we had hoped or not. Thank you, John. And thanks, All right. thanks, John. Thanks, folks. Thanks, John. Okay, thanks, John, and everybody. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.